0: welcome to the romance me podcast this is erica and
1: i'm M. and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan hey so i just learned that the tallest sunflower on record was 30 feet tall do with that knowledge what you will it makes <laughs> sense
0: you always say that it makes sense
1: it does if, if they ever want to tell otherwise then they can say that it doesn't make sense but until we have another opinion mine is the only one that matters
0: (laughs) today we'll be discussing (laughs) beach read by emily henry january andrews inherited a beach house and drama when her father passed away she moves in to save money and figure out how to write a happily ever after while feeling beaten down by her crumbling fairy tale life Proving that Misery did not like or want company, a loud party next door brought her face-to-face with college crush and now-famous literary author Augustus Everett. In an act of creative desperation and mutual, maybe, attraction, they agree to each try writing in each other's style, giving a shine to the shady pages and vice versa. But creative excavation is dirty work, and soon both of them have uncovered more than they bargained for. There will be spoilers beyond this point, and we have a content warning for mentions of past child abuse yay (laughs) why do i
1: feel the compulsion to say yay i don't know that's really that's something you're gonna have to figure out on your own that's a you problem Dude,
0: every time every time i do a content warning and there's some sort of abuse i'm like yay (laughs) like it's a defense mechanism or something
1: maybe yeah
0: i yeah sorry it's not yay it's never yay
1: <laughs> well moving on to more not yay things <laughs> so how much of a country song is january's life when we first meet her
0: <laughs> she's lost the boy she's lost the house she's lost her father she's lost her rose-colored glasses she's lost a lot of money she's lost her writing inspiration
1: oh no not her writing inspiration
0: I mean, she just needs to lose a truck and a dog and she'll be there. So maybe 95% actually. <laughs> yeah, like she's 90, pretty damn In the high 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have any notes. So we're just going to play it by ear. It's going to be super exciting. We Feel the wind. January Andrews grew up believing in happily ever afters. Yes. She has memories of her childhood where her parents, as far as she was concerned, had the perfect love story and the perfect marriage and the perfect rising above bad times and vanquishing evilness, such as cancer, that she had no space in her life for realistic thoughts or pragmatism or cynicism. I sound so, I am a depressing person. she's basically the opposite of me (laughs) me too (laughs) i know right (laughs) but no longer now she's down in the dumps with the rest of us
1: yes at 29 she is now realizing life is not perfect i think she knew life wasn't perfect i think she just had this love
0: can conquer all yeah she believed in the happily ever after yes to her own detriment to the point that she became an author she she wrote romance books because one of the major things in romance is that there is that happily ever after at the end. That's what she wanted for her characters. That's what she felt like in her life. That's what she was writing for her own story. So much so that when she she was dating Jacques in college and they ended up being together for six years, I think, he was just perfect on paper and she was perfect on paper for him and they stayed together I think there was a point in the story later where the author wrote something about how January was so busy glowing brightly for him and he was so busy glowing brightly for her that they didn't really know each other.
1: Yeah, and the author does make the comment, or through the characters, the comment of they were good around other people, but when it was just them, there wasn't anything there.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, your Instagram life. Yeah. And when January's father passed away, January was depressed She's grieving. Yeah. She had a lot of shit going on.
1: Yeah. She even makes the comment. She stayed with Jacques while her father was sick so that it would make her father feel better. Yeah. Because it's like, no, no, it's okay. I have, I have the guy to take care of me. I'll be fine. Yeah. And then once the dad wasn't there anymore for the, to
0: keep the performance up, plus she was grieving. Jacques said, you're not you anymore. And he didn't want to be with her anymore.
1: No, no, she's now actually being herself because she's not doing the performance.
0: (laughs) Right. This is the first time in at least her adult life that she's been authentic, I think, with him anyway. Yeah. Which is kind of sad because at the beginning of the story, she's 29. So. (laughs) Yeah. She's been performing with Jacques for six years and who knows how long before that she was. Who knows? So the icing on the cake is at her father's funeral, a woman that January doesn't know comes up to her and introduces herself as an old friend of January's father and gives her a letter and a key with an address on it. Dun, dun, dun. And is trying to talk to January. January does not want to hear this. And then January's mother shows up and kind of chases this woman away. She recognizes her. Yeah, she knows who this woman is. So this just drives home that January's father wasn't exactly who she thought he was. He wasn't necessarily the 100% perfect leading man in her parents' love story. He was a fallible human being who cheated on her mom and had a secret beach house and wrote secret letters to his daughter. He wasn't the man she thought he was. Or to be more accurate, he was the man she thought he was, but he was also more than that. Yes. And I think that is a big theme in the story, that the man that January's father actually was is a much more human character than January initially thought. I don't know if you're going to think this is funny or not, Em, but honestly, I was expecting to hate the dad because cheaters are bad. I hate all cheaters. Lying and cheating is bad. And you know how black and white I am. Yes. But I think that the author actually did kind of a magical thing with this relationship because she gave January a place to hate her father and still love him. Yeah. And I think in doing that, she gave me as a reader space to do the same. And I thought that was pretty unusual, an unusual experience for me in reading a book with a cheater in it, because typically it's like, oh, boo, hiss. (laughs) (laughs) you're obviously bad and wrong but the point of the story is that he is a person who made choices and some of them were maybe ones that he should have made or maybe they were i don't know it's very very shades of gray versus black and white it is so moving on to the story (laughs) (laughs) January takes the key and the address and goes to her father's house, his secret love nest, as she thinks it is, and has these plans that she's going to one, fix up the house and sell it because she needs money, two, figure out how to write her next great romance novel, even though she doesn't believe in Happily Ever Afters anymore and feels like all her past writing was a lie, and three, possibly learn more about her father who he really was
1: she's not sure she wants to know but she does
0: yeah it's one of those is like Schro- schrodinger's cheating dad you know <laughs> yeah if
1: i don't face it then did he really actually cheat on my mother
0: <laughs> uh, yeah uh and so she just she wants to just mope and wallow for a while but as she's wallowing on the couch She's awoken by loud noises next door. It's like a row of houses along the beach of the lake. Where is this? Michigan? Yes. They're in the upper peninsula. The house next door is pretty close to hers. And the kitchen windows actually look into each other. (laughs) Too close. (laughs) And this noise wakes her up. She goes up to the door and (laughs) tries to knock and say, Hey, can you guys turn it down? But no one answers the door. They're having too much fun. You need to have quiet fun. January cannot handle this. <laughs> she's like, no fun for you. Zero fun. She's on her porch facing the lake, or her patio, I guess. And she's upset. And then she sees someone on the porch and she's all, hey, can you like make things quiet? <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you tone it down just a goat?"
0: And initially, he's really kind of cranky with her about it. And
1: he has his own reasons for crank. Yeah,
0: he does. But she says something that gives him pause and makes him realize that maybe she's like dealing with a lot. And so he says, well, he'll kick them out. He ends up ending the party early (laughs) and sending everyone away. There's another part. It may happen before or after this. I don't remember. But when she first comes to the town, it's like a small town. She goes to the local indie bookstore and introduces herself and is like, I'm a local author now. Woohoo, here's my card. And she notices that there is a display of the book that her college rival, Augustus Everett, wrote. So there's a big old stack of these books. She's <laughs> just like, oh, Great. And they don't have any of her books, although the owner of the store, who is a woman named Pete, says, oh, well, I'll buy some of your books too. And Oh, you should come to our book club. January's like, okay, that sounds great. Of course I'll go. And then guess who shows up in the bookstore? Santa? Yes.
1: I thought you liked it when I did the Santa joke. I couldn't make it. Yeah, I else. said yes. Oh, I thought I heard a I sigh. Said yes.
0: <laughs> no, I said yes. Oh,
1: I clearly need to get my ears cleaned <laughs>
0: out. <laughs> Anyways, Augustus, aka Gus, shows up.
1: I just wouldn't call him Gussie.
0: January's like trying to hide from him. And I think Pete ends up making them make small talk with each other. (laughs) And January isn't sure if Gus remembers who she is or not. So she acts like she doesn't know him. And he acts like he doesn't know her. But he does say that, oh yeah, I met her. She's my neighbor. So he recognized her. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So that's, that's a, a fun coincidence for January. She's super um, angsty about that. We get some backstory from January about how she felt about Gus in college. And she kind of had this impression of him as a player. She thought he was, I think, evil hot. Isn't that what they called it?
1: (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, she was into him, but she also thought he wasn't a good person.
1: I think she also thought he didn't like her or something.
0: Yeah, she thought he didn't like her because every writing class they had together, he would critique her stories. She thought he was kind of making fun of the way she saw the world because her stories always tend to be more optimistic and happy. And he had a much more dark bent to his writing and... She's like, oh, well, he must not like mine. He, he doesn't see me as his equal. Even though they kind of competed, they were like head to head in nearly everything in school. There was a night at a party where there was some groping and kissing that was amazing until she realized, oh no, and then ran away. <laughs> so we have a little bit of perspective here. She's got a lot of preconceived notions about Gus. Moving forward, there's the book club meeting. January, for whatever reason, thinks she's, like, a guest at this book club meeting. Probably because Pete kind of made it sound that way. And she brings, like, bookmarks and whatnot to the meeting to hand out. Everybody there is nice. Yes. Gus also shows up at the book club meeting. And he seems to be under the impression that they're going to be discussing his book. (laughs) Shocking, I know. What? So we got these two local authors sitting there listening to a group of people discuss... Was it like a Russian spy novel?
1: Yeah. Neither of their books. (laughs) Yeah. And didn't Sonia turn up at the book thing?
0: Yeah, so Sonia, the other woman, is actually part of this book group. And when January 1st arrives, Sonia's there and January's like, Oh, no, 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 I cannot be in the same room with this woman. But Sonia like kind of politely excuses herself and just oh no, I have something else I forgot to do over there. Yeah, it's really kind of awkward. And we realize, I think at this point in the story, how much January is just blocking out everything. Like she doesn't want to hear anything from Sonia. She still hasn't read that letter that Sonia delivered to her. She's in this kind of like stasis as far as the situation with her dad is concerned. Yeah, The one person she really wants to talk to about it is her mom, and her mom refuses to talk about it. Her mom is dealing with her own shit (laughs) and doesn't want to remember anything except the good stuff and doesn't want to talk about any of the other stuff or help January kind of figure out what happened. She'd rather pretend it didn't happen. At the book club, January is drinking too much wine. Gus ends up giving her a ride back home because she's too drunk to drive. He takes her out for donuts. And they have this talk kind of about, I don't know, it kind of starts out like antagonistic. She's poking at him because she's she's upset. Like, she's upset. Why is he here? She's busy (laughs) wallowing. Why is this person here? He pokes back at her. She doesn't know why. She just assumes it's because he's a jerk they they realize, like they admit to each other that they both thought that they were going to be like some sort of honorary guest at this meeting. <laughs> and they weren't. And I think Gus even says, yeah, I've lived here for five years. And I've never been invited to one of those book club things. So of course, I thought they read my book. <laughs> they kind of get into this banter about the types of writing that they each do he tends to write more literary austere i think she uses the words coldly horny white male (laughs) protagonists
1: which i fucking love that
0: i fucking love that me too and he's like (laughs) he's like really like surprised but kind of like intrigued by this whole description here they talk about like well one of the problems with writing romance is that people assume that your life is just wonderful she's like well do people just assume that your protagonists are you and he's like i don't know do you assume i'm coldly horny <laughs> and she says definitely no. <laughs> i fucking loved that and i can't tell you i don't know what coldly horny looks like but i was into it i liked it and there's a bit of a banter about the worthiness of her writing not that he says that her writing isn't worthy because i don't think he does i think she assumes that he thinks it
1: yeah because he actually likes her writing
0: yeah he's read all her books which we find out later but i think He's not good at communicating this stuff and he's kind of holding stuff close to the chest at this point in the story. And she just assumes based on him critiquing her writing in college that he thinks that she writes porny trash. And so she's Going to bat for the romance genre and women's fiction and women main characters and all the good stuff, all the feels. And I I enjoyed this theme in the book, too, how the author takes a definite stance on, hey, you know what? Just because it's women doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. And I will tell you, as a romance reader, it's kind of a crapshoot when you tell someone new, oh, yeah, I love romance novels, Hmm. because sometimes... You'll get someone who's like, oh, yeah, me too. And it's like this dirty little secret that they're so happy that you told them first. So now you can discuss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and other times you tell someone and it's almost like the opposite. They'll say, oh, well, aren't those like really frothy or what else do you read? Mm. It goes against my values, of course. Every book, it's reader. Every reader, their book. Yeah. Everything has an audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because it has certain tropes doesn't make it less worthy than other stories that have other tropes. Because yes. let's be honest, every genre has tropes. What? Yes. I know. <laughs> oh my, romance has a happy trope. How horrible. <laughs> yes, let's kill it. How, <laughs> how How? dare we want the characters to be happy in the end? No, misery for everyone. Grim dark. <laughs> M, no. (laughs) If I had a squirt bottle, you would be squirting. Hey,
1: now! I did not consent to that. (laughs) (laughs) Like
0: a... (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, though? I mean, I love dark stories. I love thrillers. I love all kinds of stories. But they all have their own tropes. Yes.
1: They all provide a journey that the reader is looking for.
0: Yes! Thank you. That is exactly it. When you pick out a book to read, you're buying a ticket for a specific ride. Yep. What kind of ride do you want to take?
1: Yeah, that's a, I think, big part of why certain books, movies, etc. either succeed or fail. They let the viewer, reader, listener, whatever, know ahead of time. Yeah, I don't want to pick on this movie in particular, so I won't name it. But there was one movie, quite a while ago now, that came out and they were advertising it as a romantic comedy. It was not. (laughs) But they advertised it like it was because the two actors in it, one of whom was known to be very famously in romantic comedies, they kept saying, oh, look, look, we have edited this trailer specifically with the rom-com audience in mind because of actor since it wasn't and that movie did not do well it was okay but i remember because one of the reasons i went to see it was because oh it's supposed to be a romantic comedy with these actors this will be great yeah no <laughs> she had no intention of ever falling in love with him They were just going to be friends, (laughs) which is cool and fine. And that's really what should have happened. That wasn't wrong. But that is not what I thought was going to happen because that's not what I was advertised.
0: That was not the ticket you bought. Yes. It's
1: hard to have a friendship between a male and female character that are straight.
0: Because you have all the shippers. Yeah,
1: you have to
0: have that and then... I mean, this was before shipping was a thing. Well, you still had shipping. It just wasn't the word for it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't labeled as shipping. You may have to take all of that out because that might all sound like nonsense. But yes, I totally know what you mean is what I'm trying to say in my roundabout way.
0: And it, it was a major theme in this story. Championing women's fiction and writing with women, about women, for women, by women. Championing that. Yes. I really appreciated that. That was something that I really needed to hear at the time that I was reading this book, actually.
1: Yeah, I really like that the author did that.
0: Yeah, and you may say, oh, this author got on a pedestal. I mean, she kind of did. She kind of did. But it was more, I think she's preaching to the right audience, though. Because who's going to read her book? The people who need to hear that. The people who need to say, you know what? She's right. I like what I like. And that's okay.
1: Mm-hmm. I was happy that she had that in there. I'm not a big romance reader, but I do think that you should be able to read whatever you want to read without fear of consequence or shame. You've read at
0: least fifty romances, M. Have I really? Well, yeah. Oh, we've had that many episodes. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't keep track. So
0: you you may be a big romance reader at this point. Who knows? (laughs) maybe maybe that qualifies yeah I know it's not your genre of choice but that still doesn't mean that I think it should be considered lesser or bad-mouthed or any of those things see that's the thing I've never felt like that like telling you about books that I read books that I enjoy I've never felt like anything other than oh yeah that's interesting or oh yeah I like that you liked that tell me more it's never been anything other than that but there are people that see romance as just porn and it's Even if it is, so what? Well, true, that's a good point, but it's not just porn.
1: It doesn't have to be just that. It can be whatever thing it wants to be, and it's fine, whatever it wants to be. Yep.
0: Okay, back at the donut shop, (laughs) we make some other startling revelations.
1: Great transition. Such
0: as Gus and January admit to each other that they remember each other from college. Gus asks her, why are you here? And she's like, why not? (laughs) And he says something like, well, you're not like how you used to be.
1: Join the club, buddy. We have cookies.
0: It's kind of an unfortunate echo of what she got from her ex-boyfriend Jacques, honestly. Yeah. I think the big part, the big difference in January now versus January then is that she's not performing now. Yep. And the rose-colored glasses are broken and shattered beneath her heel (laughs) they're buried six feet under yeah she set them on fire (laughs) she admits to gus that she's not writing and she's struggling with writing and they end up making a deal because he's also struggling with writing right now he doesn't say why They end up making a deal where he's going to try to write a romance and she's going to try to write bleak literary fiction. (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to take time out of the week to go on educational field trips, I guess. They'll do a bleak literary fiction learning field trip and then they'll do a happy romance writing field trip. (laughs) And whoever publishes first, I think is going to be the winner the loser must promote the winner's book and endorse it on the cover
1: (laughs) yay i really
0: liked that i thought that was a fun deal me too oh and gus makes her promise not to fall in love with him which okay (laughs) the next section of the story kind of covers their field trips gus is doing research on colts. And one of the reasons he's moved to this area is because it's closely located to uh, where a cult used to be, a suicide cult. Maybe we should have content warned for that, honestly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I kind of was wondering about the cult, but then I thought maybe not.
0: Yeah, so I, in deference to more sensitive readers, there are several scenes in this book where the characters interview survivors of the cult and family members of people who were victims of the cult and it's depressing af yeah and i'm not going to go into detail because we didn't content warn but fyi they do that and then also they go on little fun almost dates kind of one of the times they go to a carnival another time they go to the movies i think one time they go line dancing or something but it's all like fun things that could possibly be incorporated into a book like what January would normally write. There's also some more divulging of past. I think Gus talks to January about her college boyfriends or something. And we kind of learn this way that Gus really seemed to know a lot about January back in college, (laughs) much more than she was aware of.
1: Yes, he was paying attention.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is another thing that this author does really well, I think. And and can be difficult to do in a book where you only get one character's perspective is show what the other character is thinking and feeling yeah. through clues. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's hard.
0: I think it probably is difficult because often books don't show only one character's perspective. And by books, I mean romance books. And also books that do, a lot of times I feel alienated from that other character. But in this book, I felt like we were slowly getting to know Gus in the way that January was slowly getting to know him.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think she did an excellent job of revealing Gus.
0: Yes. There's a point also during this part of the book where they kind of talk about their childhoods. January's parents have this very sweet meet-cute where they both go to a coin-operated fortune teller and get fortunes that seem to go together. And that's like when they ended up together. Gus's childhood was less happy. (laughs) And his parents had a less good story? Like, (laughs) what do you want to call it? (laughs) Gus's dad was an abusive asshole and abused his mom and him. And Gus had this story he was telling himself that eventually his mom was going to leave and take him with her and then everything would be okay. But then his mom died and he was stuck with his dad. There is a bright spot because the bookstore owner is actually his aunt. She and her wife were there for Gus. And at one point, they even like talked about having him stay with them forever and stuff like that. But at that point, he felt like he needed to stay with his dad because his mom stayed with his dad. This gives January some insight into Gus a bit more, like why he might write the type of stories that he writes, why he is so good at listening to other people's pain, because he really is. When they go and interview the cult survivors and stuff like that, he's very good at listening and making people feel comfortable yes he's a very good
1: listener a very sympathetic listener
0: and he's like that for january too she ends up divulging all sorts of things to him all her pain they form a pattern of writings. is it fridays that they do the fun date and then saturdays that they do the the yucky like the unfun date
1: i, th- <laughs> or I think so yeah
0: <laughs> that sounds so mean So Fridays, they do like the quote research for one of their books. And then on Saturdays, they do the research for the other book. And then they've taken up writing in the kitchen during certain times and holding up notes to each other. I think there's a point where he's given her his phone number, but there's no texting for a while. There's just note holding and they're both trying to keep each other at arm's length. And it's getting hard to do because they have this attraction and they've had this attraction since college and it never really went away (laughs) no and now they're actually getting to know each other and they're liking what they're getting to know january however is worried about it because she still sees him as a player and one of the main reasons she sees him that way is because he told her not to fall in love with him she sees that as a warning i think gus is keeping her at arm's length because he's worried he'll hurt her. Oh, yeah. Like, he's worried he couldn't bring anything good to her life because he has this sense of unworthiness due to his past. And they both are writing. January is writing... I don't know. I thought her book topic was funny. Um, But she's writing a historical novel about a family of, of clowns in a circus, and they each have a secret from each other. And at first... It rather autobiographical for her. Yeah. But as the story progresses, she figures out who each of these people are. She's excited about it because she's never written something like this. She never would have written something like this. She finds herself doing research into the time period and what would or wouldn't be there so that her writing is correct and has good references. And it's exciting for her.
1: New avenues for her.
0: And also, 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 also... They start getting physical. Mm -hmm. There's kissing. There's sitting next to each other. There's holding hands. There's this sexual tension (laughs) that just keeps building. There's also some other stuff that's happening. Sonia keeps trying to make contact with January. Like, hey, can we please talk about stuff? Please don't let me scare you off a book club if you want to go. Please, can we talk about whatever... There's also January's agent who is super nice about it, but is basically saying, come on, I need a book. Give me the book. <laughs> Finished a book so I can sell it, please. Now you have to. And then there's her BFF, Shoddy. So they're reaching out to each other. Shoddy is one of those people that is always falling in love. And then we get, we get some backstory about Gus that Gus didn't necessarily want her to know right now Uh-oh. from Pete who mentions that, oh yeah, by the way, Gus is divorced. He has an ex-wife. Wait, what? This just blows (laughs) January's mind. I know. She has him built up as just this coldly horny player. (laughs) Someone who doesn't know how to love, and yet somehow he was in love with someone enough to marry them. It does not compute. (laughs) She just doesn't understand she's feeling feels she couldn't live up to this other person anyway why is she trying i don't know there's a lot she's feeling a lot of feels and she's angsty and finally he asks her about it and he's like you're mad at me and i don't even know why like what is going on with you please tell me because i don't know So she does tell him, but she's like, of course you didn't tell me this because you don't respect me or you don't care what I think or whatever. She feels like she's invested more into the relationship than he has. They talk it out. They have good communication. And then they end up hanging out even more. Now they hang out at each other's houses. <laughs> there is a point where January finally gets Gus to talk about his ex-wife because she's a masochist, I guess.
1: And she has a candle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah he talks about how one of the things that really attracted him to his ex-wife was that she had her own thing going on he didn't think he could break her she didn't need him so it's almost like he looked for the least emotionally available woman he could find and was like yeah that one i won't marry that one <laughs> that's what i got out of it
1: Yeah, it kind of (laughs) seemed a little bit like that.
0: But what January got out of it was, oh, well, you couldn't break me either, Gus. That was part of the story that I was just a little, like, over. I don't know, the idea of breaking somebody. Yeah.
1: It's a pretty common, I guess, trope in stories. Lots of different kinds of stories that the idea that people can be broken, particularly beyond the point of repair.
0: Oh, just kind of over it. I don't care. (laughs) I would prefer this wasn't part of the story. I'm fine with him being, like, worried about being with someone who loved him more than he loved them. I'm okay with him wanting to be with someone who is okay with tepid love. That's not the part that got to me. It was the, the cliché of breaking breakability.
1: I guess maybe if it was phrased differently or whatever like oh I don't want to hurt you ergo or I don't want to
0: disappoint you ergo. I think you're right. I think if it was phrased like I'm worried I'm not emotionally strong enough to be in a good relationship or a healthy relationship. I'm worried I can't give you what you need. That type of thing. Which is really what he's telling her.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. because the emotionally strong enough, I don't think he would phrase
0: it like that. No, he wouldn't.
1: <laughs> and maybe that's the problem is because it's never phrased that way. We get a lot of the, oh, but I'll break you.
0: Yeah, like, oh, you're this bright shining light and I'm a black hole.
1: It's like, oh, darling. If only you knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it speaks to what the heart of almost the romance genre. Because ye oldie romances did this too. She's the, the image of purity and she's always happy. And she, you know, she's sunshine in human form. Manic pixie dream girl. And he carries with him the doom of humanity or whatever.
0: And then she gets to do the emotional labor. Mm-hmm.
1: It speaks to something that's cultural or psychological or something, because it keeps happening.
0: (laughs) I felt like the author was playing with that in a way. Yeah. There's definitely the idea that Gus has cast January in that stereotypical heroine role. And he sees himself as Mr. Doom and Gloom, a.k.a. Grumpy Pants Supreme. (laughs) I'm so broken. (laughs) But he's also the one who's doing the emotional labor in this relationship. He's the one who's pressing her for answers. Talk to me. Why are you mad? What's going on? Tell me. And yeah, there's times when she's doing it, too. And I appreciated that, that it was equal or more equal. Me too. And that he was also on this journey. It wasn't just her. He was figuring his shit out himself. He was helping her figure her shit out. And he was handling his own shit. There's that point in the story... I don't even remember if this is before or after they... I think it's after they had sex and they're like, they have feelings now and it's more real than they're both willing to have it be or whatever. And then his ex-wife comes to talk to him. (laughs) Yes. Because she wants him back now. Yeah. (laughs) January, like all good heroines do, runs away. Now, granted, she's doing it kind of to just give him his space and she's going to take care of her stuff. But... Uh, I forget where I was going. Goddamn.
1: I believe in you. You can do it. Go. It was
0: about the roles, the roles that he cast them in or whatnot, but they're not in those roles. And it's not an inverse of the roles either. Like I've read stories where, you know, you have the woman is, is Miss Grumpy Pants and the man is, is the happy-go-lucky one or whatever. But here we have the woman who used to happily play into that trope of being sunshine and light and is now actually, no, I'm a, full human being with a range of emotions and needs (laughs) 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 and then you have him who you know he is grumpy pants but he's also dealing with his own shit and when we do get that scene where his ex-wife shows up no one i think felt like oh he's gonna end up with her and i don't think we were meant to feel that way even january who was like upset and a little jealous i don't think she was worried necessarily angsty but not worried yeah i think the only person who thought that they might end up together again is the ex yeah which okay then
1: if she didn't think of then why is she what is she doing there you know like if she didn't think she had a chance then why Other than if she had a cruelty motive.
0: So anyway, while Gus is off dealing with his ex, January is dredging up all the shit she needs to deal with. And she ends up texting her friend and saying, I need you. And then her friend's like, I'll be there and shows up. And I'm like, I love it. There's just something about female friendships. (laughs) I feel like we're like that, Em. I think so. Yeah. Her friend shows up and is like, what do you need? Do we hate him? Do we love him? I don't know.
1: It's similar, but... I think we'd be different about it, but yes.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, we're different people. But the whole idea of I need you. Okay, here I am. That type of thing. Yes. January actually talks to Sonia because Sonia makes her. Sonia shows up on her porch and is like, I have to tell you these things. You won't let me tell you anything and I have to tell you. (laughs) And ends up spilling, like, her side of the story, which is basically there was a point where January's parents were separated briefly. January's father ended up Hooking up with Sonia, and they knew each other from high school or something like high school sweethearts. She thought they were going to get married, he was going to leave his wife, and all that. And then he found out his wife got cancer, and so he left Sonia to be with his wife. And then he and his wife reconciled. And then the second time he was unfaithful to his wife I don't know how to word that the second time he got with Sonia was when his wife got diagnosed with cancer again. I think he couldn't deal with it initially.
1: Yes, he needed his emotional support, Sonia.
0: Yeah, so he used her. Yeah. And I think at that point she knew that he was using her and let him. And then he left her again for his wife. And she moved on. She's happy with someone else now or whatnot. But she has this history with January's father and she wants january to have the whole story i guess she wants to feel unburdened or she wants january to know i don't even know i don't know if she i think
1: because the lawyer gave that stuff to her to give to january it wasn't her idea it was the father's idea
0: oh that's a good point
1: he wanted to be forgiven posthumously
0: yeah no you're right the father was using her Still,
1: yeah, I don't think Sonia. I mean, we see her avoid her. Like, oh, you're here. Oh, excuse me. I will fuck off to somewhere else. And the the whole thing with the the furniture. Like, oh, do you want the furniture? Yes, if you're giving it to me. No, if it cost me anything because I don't have the money. It was polite, but she was very much keeping her distance. Yeah. So no, this this was her father's orchestration.
0: No, you're totally right, dude. I am not giving this story its due, M. I'm really not. There's so much awesome writing in this book. There is. There is so, so much awesomeness in this book that if you are listening to this and you haven't read the book, a lot of the times we spoil the whole thing. But in this episode there is a lot to discover still
1: there is and and the <laughs> characters are complex and so discussing their actions and how the actions of the other characters impact them it, it would take a while because of the complexity
0: no i agree so okay the point of the whole Sonia thing is she finally hears everything about Sonia's side of the story and then is like well i'm sure you understand because you have all his letters and she's like i only have the one letter and sonia's like you didn't even read the letter i gave you this letter that she gave january told her about other letters and (laughs) january still hasn't read that letter (laughs) she goes on this journey finally 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 she reads the letter And then she finds where the other letters are hidden and she reads them all. And it turns out her dad had written her a letter every year on her birthday. Some of the letters are just like, oh, I love you so much. You're amazing. Whatever. And some of them are divulging very adult secrets like his affair. Mm -hmm. They're very truthful. And she finally is allowing herself that space. To be mad at her dad and realize she's never going to get the closure that she wants. But it's still okay to love him. And it's still okay to grieve him. Yes. It was a big, impactful point in the story. I actually cried.
1: Oh
0: <laughs> I know. I'm like laying in bed sobbing. My husband comes and he's all, what's wrong? I'm all, book! <laughs> <Aww>. He
1: leaves. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i so rarely cry during books but something that will always always get me is a parent-child relationship that hits me in some way i don't know what it is but it's one of my things i guess and even though the dad was such a such an ass at times apparently you know he's also worthy of her love her mom forgave him I don't know. It's very complicated. It is. So she's been off doing her journey. Gus has been off dealing with his divorce. And then we have one of those. What is that movie with the stereo in the outside the window and John Cusack? Oh, Say Anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very Say Anything. Yes. Come out and talk to me they reunite it's not a reunion as in they were actually apart it's more of a reaffirmation that they're together and then we get an epilogue where they finally publish their stories i think she ended up publishing first but he ended up making more money or something and they're reading each other's stories finally on the beach they're together now that's what it is i guess i don't know How do I say that in a poetic way?
1: (laughs) You're asking the wrong
0: person. I skipped so much, dude. But there is this part I highlighted at the end, and it kind of, I think, encapsulates part of what the author was trying to say. Okay, so January is reading Gus's book. She reads the dedication, and the dedication says january i don't care how the story ends as long as i spend it with you oh and i think ultimately that's what the author is trying to say it's not about the happily ever after it's about finding someone who you want to be with on the journey yep and that's the end and i did it yay you did it without any notes Good job. There were no notes. I left so much out. (laughs) I feel so much anxiety over not having all the context. Take some deep breaths. It's okay. (laughs) Maybe it's better. You know, maybe the style is better. Maybe I'll listen to this one and be like, oh, yeah, this is great. I should be anxious and paranoid every time. (laughs) Who needs hair? Dude. Oh, my goodness. (laughs)
1: Who needs nails?
0: Oh, golly. I just need a drink. That's what I need.
1: Well, I'm proud of you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay. How was the audiobook, Em?
1: The audiobook was really good. It was narrated by Julia Wellen. I think she did a really excellent job narrating the experiences of the characters. Good. I really liked her performance.
0: Was there anything that I didn't touch on that you wanted to touch on before we move on to our denouement?
1: That's the thing is there was so much in the story we did not cover everything like we
0: normally do we didn't even scrape the surface no we didn't this is such a deep emotional story
1: it is and i was going to say at some point i guess i can say it now which is i know i'll be listening to this one again
0: yeah i want to say that this book is quite interestingly titled
1: (laughs) yes It was not the story that I thought I was getting based on the title. I was like, oh, bee B-treat. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, no. And you know our conversation that we had earlier about like buying a ticket for a certain kind of ride. (laughs) I think that the author gave us the romance ride for sure. Yes. But I don't think that she divulged how scary this ride was, like how intense it was.
1: (laughs) Intense, yes. I wouldn't say scary, but yes, intense
0: and emotional, yes. Well, I meant scary in like a silly way. I didn't know how fast the roller coaster was going to go. Mm, okay. (laughs) Okay. But do I feel like I still got my money's worth? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And on that note, um, are you happy for they're happy? I am happy for them. What? She's actually happy, guys. It does happen.
1: <laughs> I think sometimes at least as far as their interaction. Sometimes the banter was, there was a bit much, but I think they will work out their issues. You know, any issues going forward, I think they are good together. They're relaxed with one another. I like them as a couple.
0: Oh, me too. Absolutely. I'm 100% happy for them. I think they have great chemistry. I think that the buildup between them over the course of the story was great. I appreciated that it was a slow burn. Yes, I think that the emotion, emotional fraughtness that we so often get in these books was authentic yes. it didn't feel fake at all it felt genuine and i loved their communication skills yeah i loved that when he sensed that she was upset with him he's like why let me fix it give me a chance to help you feel better let's talk about it i think that's amazing i was super into it and so yeah i think they're gonna make it i think those two crazy kids are gonna make it woohoo so how do you rate january
1: i rated her as awesome she's imperfect but i think it's done in a way that's also good character development i think 29 yeah the rose colored glasses should be coming off (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i understand like her postponing certain parts of her emotional journey she learned some stuff that she didn't want to know about And then she wanted to process before learning more stuff that she wasn't sure she was ready for. I know Sonia was like, wait, you didn't read it yet? Because poor Sonia's probably been torturing herself over that letter.
0: Oh, I bet. Yeah. And it's like, wait, she hasn't even done it
1: yet? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then when January goes in there and like does the code on the thing, she's all surprised that the code is the code. I'm like, seriously, maybe I was the dumbass kid that went into too many locked places than they should have been. But I was like, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first thing I was telling you to try and you did not do it. He wants you to open it. What do you think that could possibly be the code then? (laughs) 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 i like january you know i had some issues with her with some of the things especially the he didn't tell me he was married but then it was like they are not obligated to tell you especially if there's no obvious label for what you are he's not obligated to tell you any of those things
0: and to be fair she didn't ask him
1: yeah that's the and she's going how could he not tell me i'm like you didn't ask dude it's not like you said, dude, are you married? And he was like, no, or evaded.
0: And and they talked about <laughs> her past and she divulged her romantic history, but she didn't ask about his. Yeah. She just assumed he didn't have one.
1: And that's again, she divulged. You cannot assume that the other person is going to be like, oh, yes here's my emotional backstory too let us compare (laughs) heartaches like not everybody's gonna be in that place especially since he's like trying to impress her he's not gonna be like oh yeah look at this wound and this one over here especially if it's not a cool scar no way anyway by the way i'm kind of not officially divorced yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: because that's another thing it didn't get finalized till toward the end of the story yeah (laughs)
1: like you might want to um but yeah she didn't ask and i think at that point if he thought it was serious with her he should have told her but anyway
0: i thought january was awesome too i really appreciated her journey i was initially turned off of her because very much just like whoa, is me my life isn't perfect after all yes but the author ended up growing her up yeah the author made it okay that it started out that way yeah because she became an authentic person she wasn't just like oh i need to go back to being the way i used to be instead she's like oh well i need to figure out who i am now yeah old january would have done this what does new january do
1: yeah and i think that's excellent like it's okay if a character starts in a place But the the whole thing with the story is that they don't end in that place. And so, no,
0: that was great. And I did relate to, I mean, not the same situation, of course, but I related to the idea of, I don't want to know how deep the rabbit hole goes. Yeah. Let's just stop digging now. Let's pretend it's not there. I have enough pain. (laughs) You let her out? (laughs) If we leave now, we get a happy (laughs) ending. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh flashbacks that resonated for me me too and her emotional journey with her dealing with her grief over her father felt really authentic to me
1: yeah she struggled and she should
0: have so how did you rate gus
1: i rated him awesome as well i mean imperfect but awesome but i mean that's the thing is he's not perfect he's a person he is a fleshed out character so yeah What about you and the Gus?
0: Oh, yes. Gus is awesome. He is grumpy pants in a good way.
1: Yes, he was a good grumpy.
0: I do like a good grumpy. You do. And there was some good pining in there, too. (laughs) You know, he'd been after her since college, thinking he wasn't worthy. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, poor buddy. He was a really interesting character. You know, he had a really interesting story. He had the surprise of, oh, whoops, I'm actually divorced. (laughs) <laughs> i have this other side of me but not actually devore he was a really good character i really appreciated it and i just love that the author introduced the phrase coldly horny because <laughs> i'm just there's something about it it's evocative <laughs> it is very evocative <laughs> how do we feel about the antagonist slash villains in the story um
1: i don't know how we feel about him, but the list i have is i mean of course. January and Gus are their own antagonists in a good way. Yeah. You know, they stand in their own way, they dig their own holes, but they also get themselves out of their own holes and help each other. So, yay. Sonia is sort of on that list kind of half on really if there was a villain i'd almost put it as her dad yeah somewhere january got the idea that everything has to seem perfect which i guess you could put the mom in there too and it's sort of like no there's there's one thing about like not letting all the shit hit the fan all the time (laughs) sometimes you do have to put on that brave face that smile But where did she get the idea that she had to be, for lack of a better way to put it, inauthentic to her parents?
0: Well, you know what that question brings to mind for me Hmm. is the scene where she remembers... I think it's her mother's first cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And her dad takes them out dancing uh. her mom gets all dressed up and they all just kind of pretend that everything's fine yeah and that's how they deal with their grief is they embrace the happy and as a child i don't think she saw it the same way the parents did you know possibly the parents weren't intentionally showing her yeah i ignored the pain we gotta live it up now yeah they were just trying to deal with the shitty hand they had at the moment yeah trying to bring up the mood for a while. But as a child, she probably internalized that to give her the perspective that she ended up having.
1: Yeah, and not getting coping skills out of that.
0: And I don't think that necessarily makes it, like, intentional villainy on the part of the parents. I don't think they were... No. ...fucking her up intentionally or whatever. But I think that a lot of times parents will do things and the child will pick up on aspects of that thing without getting the context and the story from an adult perspective and so the parts that they internalize are different than what the adult is internalizing or what the adult is intending to show
1: no i agree with you yeah. I don't necessarily think of that as villainy. I was thinking more along the lines of how the dad kind of orchestrated all of that. Yeah. I was thinking more of that and then trying to rope Sonia in there too. It's like, no, I understand giving Sonia a heads up. Like, by the way, I'm going to tell my kid this. She may have questions. <laughs> you may or may not want to, I mean, why, why involve Sonia? It's that that's kind of like is that what he wanted like her to answer questions but then he left the letters so really why did he want Sonya to be a part of it other than to torture Sonya? <laughs> it seems that it just kind of made no sense. Well,
0: January suspected that he wanted Sonya to defend him.
1: Yeah, maybe. That's a lot to ask.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely see that. I see your perspective for sure. My list is is very much the same as yours. I feel like a lot of characters are on both The good side and the bad side. Like they're both heroes and villains, you know, (laughs) because they're human, they're not perfect. A couple standouts, though, is the mom Mm. Mm -hmm. because the mom did not allow January to have the difficult conversations that January wanted to have with her. Yeah. It's not like the mom owed her that necessarily, but it was hard for me to understand how a mom... Could just
1: shut down like that?
0: Yeah, wouldn't want to be vulnerable to help their kid feel better. Yeah. That part kind of got to me... And it does have a bit of a happy ending, you know, that you get the impression that the mom is going to be more open about these things and they're going to rebuild their relationship. And then the other big one is the dad. Yeah. I agree with with your assessment that it's easy to cast him in that villainous role. Like, what kind of machinations and nefarious puppetry is he doing behind the scenes while he's dying or whatever, you know?
1: It's not, it's just, I think it's more, (laughs) and I get it, like, he's, it's not nefarious, more like, just selfish, <laughs> which, yeah, villains are. I mean, that's part of what makes them villainous, yeah. usually is that they want their things at the cost of everybody else. <laughs> they don't give a fuck about anybody else. It's just about them getting whatever it is that they want, usually.
0: we don't have a really good answer, I think, to how much the dad knew he was going to die. I think it was pretty sudden. I don't think he necessarily realized that he was going to dump this entire mess in January's lap right now.
1: I don't know if it's just that he A, didn't expect to die or if it that the severity was realized really in short order.
0: I think that was what it was. I think it was like all of a sudden he's dead.
1: Yeah, so it's sort of like his prognosis was just not long. And so I think he did things quickly With the intention of after I'm gone, she can forgive me.
0: Maybe. Because we don't know. Yeah. We're never going to know. No. January's never going to know.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) But it's more of uh, i think he was just trying to like with the dancing make things happy for as long as they could be happy maybe because the shit was gonna hit the fan anyway
0: i think he wanted january to know the whole him yes and i think that he wanted her to still love him as much as he loved her because you learn in the story that january was basically his whole world yeah being her dad was his number one thing I think the thing with Sonya, I think he wanted her to answer questions. I think he wanted her to possibly protect him or back him up or tell his side or whatnot. But I agree with you. That was a major big ask posthumously. (laughs)
1: yeah and i don't think sonia was even really
0: totally clear on like that no and she was surprised by the whole thing too because she'd moved on yeah she had picked up the pieces of her life and figured out where she wanted to go from there you know and good for her yeah that was a while ago so she was just like okay so it's kind of bizarre for her i'm sure and honestly she's fucking brave the balls on that woman, right? Yes. <laughs> Walking into that funeral where she knows she's not wanted to fulfill this last wish of her ex. Yeah, <laughs> who broke her heart? Yeah, who chose not her <laughs> twice? Yeah, I would just like mail January a letter like
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why the postal system is great. You know, you just send it in a letter and you can leave a little note in there going, hey, if you have questions, this is my number.
0: Could she have just told the lawyer no? Could she have just said, no, I can't do that. You're going to have to give it to her yourself. She could have. I mean, I don't, (laughs) I don't imagine he could legally make her. I wonder if maybe that's why she decided to do it. She wanted to make sure January got the truth, whatever the truth was.
1: Yeah, she probably felt worse for January and was like, well, whatever closure I can provide her.
0: Yeah. And since she was aware of these letters that he had written her her whole life, I think she probably thought that would bring her more solace, good than harm. Yeah. She would feel grief over realizing, you know, that her dad isn't perfect, but she would get the letters. Yeah. I struggled with the dad's character because, yeah, I did play with the idea that, yeah, he's like this selfish human being. But I think, honestly, the author really did a good job of convincing me he's just human he just wanted his kid to still love him yeah he didn't make excuses either in his letters he was just like i did this
1: yeah i think that helped his case the not making excuses
0: i mean cheating is bad and horrible and we hate cheaters but i think it's okay for january to still love her dad i think so okay um how did you rate the book
1: i gave the book a five me too wow dual fives we match we do and high rating too i don't think that's ever happened before yeah well
0: yay yeah i loved it i laughed i cried (laughs) i felt
1: even if you feel like you didn't do as thorough a job i mean clearly if the rating means anything then maybe it means that we really did like it yeah (laughs) (laughs) don't judge the quality of the podcast on (laughs) our liking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't don't judge the book by this podcast yes that's what i meant that's what i was getting at.
0: <laughs> we've had some weeks <laughs> yeah that's true there's been stuff yeah life happened y'all
1: we're still hanging in there so <laughs> we we're getting this thing done keeping our schedule which is freaking amazing hey you take yeah. your victories <laughs> where you can i know i will take this victory thank you very much well did you feel romanced
0: yes i did i loved them together they were cute the story was good it drew me in it felt real what about you were you romanced
1: well i felt a lot of things and one of them was romance I'm still unpacking some oh, of the thank things goodness. that I'm feeling because I was feeling a lot, but yes.
0: <laughs> oh, I feel relieved. <sighs> That was kind of a pins and needles one for me. I am not gonna lie. Really? <laughs> yeah. I like. I want her to feel romance. It's very possible she will. She rated it five. <laughs> she liked both characters. They were both awesome. <laughs> she was actually happy for their happy. <laughs> the stars have aligned. It does
1: happen. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. <laughs> The Loch Ness Monster is real. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is out there.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, weird thought. Anyway. <laughs> what else have you been reading, M? Well, I'm still
1: reading it. I'm not finished. It's by Olivia Dade, and it's called All the Feels. So we, we read, spoiler alert, And I continue with the series. If you did read Spoiler Alert, you met a character called Alex. Alex!
0: We loved Alex. We did.
1: And so his story continues in the second book. He is reckless, impulsive bad boy with ADHD and Lauren. And she's... (laughs) She's a super deadpan, like, he teases her that she's his nanny, because he he has impulse control, (laughs) and so she basically is there to make sure that he makes good choices. It's good
0: you need to read it so we can talk about the alex there's much alex to discuss i am very into the alex and i added it to my to read list yay it will happen
1: (laughs) oh and i will warn you like i think the first chapter two the two have like a grump off like who can be the grumpiest grump that ever grumped (laughs) you could decide who wins (laughs) (laughs) or maybe everybody wins
0: at least that's how it seemed to me what about you what have you been reading i think it was on the last episode i recommended the first book in the infinite city series i am recommending the third book this time it's called untamed hunger by tiffany roberts it is a sci-fi romance And it continues in the same setting as the first book, but the story is completely different from the first book. It's actually kind of funny because the first book you get introduced to the characters that are in the second, third, fourth book, etc. But the story is very divorced from those other characters. Like that first book feels like a standalone and then book two almost feels like book one. Interesting. Now, book two is also very good. But book three, I especially loved. And I think you will like it too, because the heroine is a fucking badass. <gasps> Ooh, I do like me those. Yeah. So it starts, she's pregnant in an alien zoo. Oh, lucky her. And our hero is kind of like a cat looking guy. Okay. He doesn't shift or anything, but he's like a humanoid cat guy. I don't know. I pictured o from ThunderCats cuz <laughs> ThunderCats are go. But I think he's actually supposed to be darker and more gruff and not as kid-friendly. And
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> fair enough. He's
0: doing a shady deal at this other person's residence. And the person he's doing the deal with is like, oh, well, let me show you something amazing. And takes him on a tour of their private zoo. And he sees this woman and he's just like, as it happens so often in sci-fi romance, I must have her. Yes. So he pays to buy, like he forces the guy to sell her to him under duress. Intending to set her free, but he figured that would be the best way to get her out of there without causing problems but she doesn't know what the fuck is going on and so she ends up like getting the drop on him (laughs) kicking his ass and then running away awesome (laughs) but the story follows he tracks her down they talk he finally starts getting her to trust him she's a badass throughout the whole story she's amazing i love her it was just really good it was very exciting yay now i don't know how believable it is like how badass she was while fully pregnant because she wasn't like a little bit pregnant she was like pregnant
1: well suspension of disbelief
0: yeah i was there for it you know yeah i mean (laughs) i i liked it
1: some stories you read and they're super realistic but if you can't connect to the story then how good is the realism what purpose is it serving so as long as you have fun with
0: it then yay and she made him work for it (laughs) you know work for her trust nice which i appreciated
1: well good lady has standards woo woo damn right
0: (laughs) all right that is it for this time. Check out our website, RomanceMePodcast.com, for our show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify, or come find us on Twitter at RomanceMeCast. Speaking of Twitter, were you romanced by Augustus
1: and January Story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Firelight by Kristen Callahan. I did. Let's go. You did it without any questions. I did. Good job. <laughs> uh,
0: speaking of bugs, look at your phone. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> hot
1: curry. <Yeah>, <laughs> <lie. laughs> I thought you would appreciate. It. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I'll save that for later.